Well, good evening, Neighborhood Church. I hope you guys are as excited as I am. It is my honor and privilege to be here uh, tonight uh, to present uh, myself and Jenny as uh, your potential future lead pastors. Uh, it's tr truly my honor for the uh, search committee and the board of elders and deacons to have uh, put us forward. Um, plus, it will be our privilege uh, to work with pastors John and Donna in the transition process over the next number of months and in the future beyond that, um, if you guys will allow us. Uh, I just want to, most of you, some of you know us, some of you don't. I'm going to show a picture, introduce my family. I, I've been doing this uh, whenever I preach for the last number of years. Uh, I'm the bald guy on the one side, in case you didn't recognize me. Next to me is my beautiful wife, who's just up here. She's a professional counselor with the uh, uh, professional psychologists and counselors of Saskatoon here in the city, and she was previously on staff here at the Neighborhood Church. Uh, next to her is my daughter, Emery Cecile Jabet Hulbgoax. Three of my four kids are here tonight with me. The fourth couldn't, but Emery is in great, uh, second year of uh, university and does a lot, of, uh, a lot of things. Next to her is our youngest son, that's Plum and Trent. Plum just entered grade 12. Uh, next to him is the one that we somehow gave birth to a cowboy, Louis IV. And then next to him is uh, Manny, Emmanuel Ernest John. And uh, Manny and Plowman and Emery are here tonight, and it's uh, my privilege. Louis was with us earlier this week, but he had to, had to head back. Uh, I'm an ordained minister with the Pentecost Assemblies of Canada, and I've been in ministry for, I don't know, 22, 23 uh, years. We're in the middle of a series here at our church called Stories which I think is kind of providential on this weekend that I'm, uh, you know, preaching the call. So I'm going to start tonight with a bit, of, uh, a bit of my story, allow you to get to know me and us a little bit better, and I look forward to the future months and years where I can get to know you and your stories uh, a little bit better. Uh, Jenny and I, we both grew up in Saskatchewan. We're both born and raised here in the province. I, I grew up on our family's farm. It's actually a centennial farm. My parents still live on the farm. Uh, it's been in our, in our family for 112 years. Uh, I grew up uh, attending a Catholic church. Uh, I was very nominal. Uh, I grew up, but I really didn't pay much attention. Somewhere around the age of 10, I, I heard the statement that Jesus was the king of the Jews and the Jews crucified him. That didn't make sense in my kind of 10-year-old mind, and I asked a number of people what that was about, and nobody gave me a straight answer. And so I thought, well, this doesn't make, if this, this seems like a simple question, if nobody is going to give me a straight answer, I, I guess this doesn't make sense, and I kind of just checked out, and I started living for myself at about 10 years old. And that was my journey for about a decade. When I was in university, uh, I made friends with this individual and after I made friends with them, a little while later, they decided to share uh, faith and Jesus with me. And I immediately completely terminated that friendship. I, I was far from God and didn't really want anything to do with faith, church, or Jesus. That same story happened twice more. A second person became friends with me. They tried to share faith. I terminated that relationship. A third person became friends with me shared faith, shared Jesus, I, I terminated that relationship. If we were playing baseball, I'd have been struck out. But God is gracious and is a God of second, third, and I'm so thankful even fourth chances. Because then an individual entered my life 
We became friends. Eventually, eventually he shared faith and Jesus with me, and I didn't end that relationship. I didn't terminate that relationship, and, and he journeyed with me for months. And then at an altar call, I, I responded, and I had my life radically and powerfully transformed by the spirit of the living God. I often pray for those first three people. I pray that they didn't become shy or bashful or stop sharing faith because they didn't fail. They were a part of my faith story that led me as God was was softening my heart. They were a part of that story as they were scattering seeds. And ultimately, my life and my families and numerous other lives would be eternally transformed because someone didn't give up on me because we serve a gracious, gracious God. In just over two years of that altar call, of giving my life to Christ, people were actually calling me pastor. Within the first two years of coming to faith, I started Bible college, and then I uh, was interning at Elam Church here in Saskatoon. And people were calling me pastor. Shortly after that, I was hired on staff part-time as the young adults, young marrieds pastor at Elam, uh, the first time they'd ever had that role. And I led in that, and I continued on with my Bible college. And then in 2003, God called us to southeastern Saskatchewan where we pastored the same church for 17 and a half years. God moved powerfully. We've seen incredible growth and hundreds and hundreds of people came to living faith in Jesus. Brand new believers, people who had no faith background, encountered the living God and became devoted followers, devoted disciples of Jesus. We would eventually plant uh, another campus, another venue 50 kilometers down the road in another community. We planted an online campus or venue about 12 years before COVID kind of forced everybody uh, to go online. We started a youth center in a third building and all of a sudden we were pastoring this multi-site, multi-campus, multi-staff church. It gained national and a little bit of international recognition and I had the privilege of sharing our story and God's word from coast to coast in Canada and a number of places in the States. During that time, I was appointed to the general executive of the Pentecost Columbus of Canada and had the privilege of serving with Pastor John. And I still serve in that role today, giving oversight and direction to our fellowship. And then a handful of years ago, I had two different superintendents ask me to step into a different role as church coach. One of them is Pastor Paul Israelson, our district superintendent. And for the last number of years, I worked with churches uh, from Thunder Bay, Ontario to Lloyd Minister Saskatchewan, of all shapes and sizes, big, small, rural, urban, working with churches for health, growth, and vitality. And it's been a great season. It really has been a great season. However, Jenny and my heart is for this church, our church the neighborhood church. Our heart is to be fully engaged locally here with you, bringing pastoral care and spiritual leadership to this great family. 
And ultimately, that's what's brought us here today. One of the many reasons I'm so passionate about our church is our church's mission statement. We've said it many times, but we are here to help people find and follow Jesus, right? And one of the reasons I'm so passionate about that is because I was somebody who needed someone to help me find and follow Jesus. I know what it's like to live life without Jesus, and I know what, li- what it's like to live life with him. Person one shared faith, person two, person three. But I'm so thankful for person four. My, uh, my ministry heartbeat, heartbeat is to see people coming into a living relationship with Jesus, a living faith growing into mature disciples, and then helping others do the same. Helping people find and follow Jesus. I, I, I try to live this out personally, and I think the last 20 plus years of my ministry have really been defined by working with and developing leaders and teams who help local congregants connect with and reach the people that God has placed each of us within arm's reach of. To share the gospel, to journey with people, and to see people's lives eternally changed as they come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord, and then as they move towards maturity, discipleship, and reproduction. Stories. That's mine in a really small nutshell. I look forward to spending time with, with you as we get to know each other and finding out more about our stories. But that's, that's my story in a nutshell. What about your story, or what about our story as a group? What about the story of us as the neighborhood church? As we kind of shift to the, uh, the, the message portion of tonight, let's just bow together in a, in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we look to your word tonight, I pray it becomes alive in our lives. Not simply words that are written on a page, but truths that are embedded in the very being and DNA of who we are. Help us to become the walking, talking, breathing word of God. Help us to be truly mindful that we are the hands and feet of Jesus, his presence, his representation on earth. And Lord, may we be mindful that as individuals and as the corporate body, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit on earth. And that where we go, the Spirit goes, and the Spirit cannot enter a situation. No one can come in contact with the Spirit without life changing. Situations, attitudes, atmospheres must shift as the Spirit is present. Be with us tonight and make these truths very real, I pray. Amen? So stories. What about our story as the neighborhood church? It's getting ready for today and it's like the day I'm supposed to preach the call, but the reality is it's not necessarily my call, it's our call as the church. What God is calling us to in the next season. So tonight's message I've entitled, uh, I am, you are, we are church. I am, you are, we are church. For those of us who uh, attend church regularly, if we're not careful, we can sometimes get into the rut of kind of doing church versus realizing we are the church. I am, you are, we are the church. And the church was God's idea, right? It wasn't my idea, it wasn't Pastor John's idea, it wasn't some dead dude's idea, this is God's idea. And I love this word church 
in the New Testament, it's translated from the Greek word ecclesia, and ecclesia means to gather or assemble. The gathering or the assembling of, of the people of Jesus. You see, far before Captain America and Endgame said Avengers assemble, Jesus commanded us, his followers, to assemble. He called us and commanded us to assemble. If you've ever spent maybe any time in the, uh, the countryside of Saskatchewan, you maybe have had a similar experience. You ever been driving down kind of a country road and off in the distance, you, you see a structure off to the side of the road, you get a little closer and you realize, oh, it's a building, you get a little closer and all of a sudden you realize it has this really steep pitched roof and there's a steeple on top and inevitably somebody in the car says, oh, look, there's a, and that's the exact point where I like to correct them. Whoa, you're wrong, that's not a church, that's where a church used to gather. Because the church isn't necessarily about where, it's about who, because I am, you are, we are the church. We're the church, but not in isolation. Because church is about gathering or assembling. Christianity is this personal, individual belief and submission to Jesus as Lord that absolutely must be lived out in community. So can I get you guys to amuse me for tonight for a moment? All right, everybody who's got a smartphone, I'm giving you official permission to pull out your phone in church. Everybody, and if you don't have one, we'll, we'll try to hook you up later. I want you to open up your smartphone, everybody. Open up the camera. Every, come on, I, you, gotta, you, gotta, you gotta play with me. Flip it around to selfie mode. Everybody, bring it in nice and close. Give a nice look. Okay, everybody take a photo. Everybody got that? Okay, now I want you to flip the camera around and point it out at somebody, point it out at the crowd and uh, take a photo. Okay, one more photo. Flip it back to selfie mode. This time don't keep it nice and close. This time push it way out. Get some people in the background and do a little point. Move yourself around and take a third photo. Oh, there you go. I've seen some good-looking uh, good smiles and smirks. And I am serious. At the end of today, if you don't have those three photos, you can come find me or harass somebody else. I, I'd love for you to, to get those three photos. And as you look at those photos today and in the future, you'll notice that there's a lot of differences between us, right? But yet we can be different in so many ways, and yet we as individuals have, have gathered. Because I am, you are, we are, the church, the ecclesia, the gathering. And so today, I just want to talk about three reasons why we gather. Three reasons why we, the church, are this gathering of people. And the first is simply to minister to God. We gather to minister to God. When we gather, we minister to our Lord. In uh, Ezekiel 44, as they're kind of reconstituting the priesthood, and talking about the two priests, God says, the Lord says, they shall enter my sanctuary and they shall come near my table to minister to me and they shall keep my charge. We, we minister to God, we, we bless his name, we lift him high and honor him. The reason we open our services with the incredible praise and worship that we have here at the Neighborhood Church. Like, great, amen? 
We, we open in that, not because it's not a concert for you and I. It's a concert for our Heavenly Father, and we praise Him together. We magnify. The psalmist said in Psalm 34, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name. And I think the psalmist was really onto something. Together, let's magnify the Lord. Together, let's exalt him. And we need to be intentional about gathering with the purpose of ministering to God because when we do, we, we magnify him in our lives. And sometimes when I talk with people, I'll ask them, what are you magnifying? Because sometimes we get together for coffee and we magnify the problems in our lives. But we need to get together and magnify the Lord, magnify Christ, magnify Jesus, the answer to our problems. We gather to magnify and to minister to God. The second reason that we we must gather, we must assemble, is to minister to other believers, to minister to one another. My dumb joke that I've told people, I'm sure, a hundred times is the one another is a dance you can't do alone. Right? You, you, you can't do the one another alone. If we're going to be fully devoted followers of Jesus, if we're to be submitted to him as Lord, and if we're going to live out the truths of Scripture, we can't do that in isolation. There's simply too many one another's. James 5.16, confess your sins to Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Ah, Pastor Louie. See, <laughs> I got this deal with God. Don't worry, we're good. When I do something, me and him chat. And I'm not saying every week everyone needs to get up in front of everybody and declare everything they've done, but if we don't actually live this out in relationship with other fellow believers, and actually confess our sins to somebody. Somebody who's the tangible hands and feet of Jesus, somebody else who's the temple of the Spirit of God on earth, we're actually missing out on some type of healing. Live in harmony with one another. Romans 12, 16. So at some point in the future, you're gonna get irritated with somebody else in the church. Maybe you get irritated with me. At some point, something's gonna happen that maybe doesn't go your way or there's a struggle or... See, we can't actually live out this command of Jesus until there's a bit of tension in our life. And at that point, when somebody does something, when, when you're just feeling, oh, I'm a little bit irritated, I want you to come back to those three photos we took earlier today. And I want you to look at them. And I want you to remember that that I am, that this entire group and, and us together, we are the, we're the church. And as that church, that gathering, I have a responsibility to live in harmony, to live out the scripture, to actually put aside my possible preference or irritation, and to be obedient to the word of God and to my Lord. I'm going to look at those photos and I'm going to remember this day. Galatians 5.13 says, serve one another. We can't serve one another in isolation or by ourselves. 
And there's times in life where God's gonna ask you to serve somebody else. And there's gonna be times where God actually asks someone else to serve you. And sometimes it's a whole lot easier to be the one who serves someone else. <sighs> you know, it's okay, I, I can serve you, but it feels really awkward sometimes to allow someone else to serve, serve you. And yet I guarantee in life, as we walk this out together, there's gonna be times both when God is gonna ask you to sacrifice and serve someone else, and there's gonna be a time in life where God is gonna speak and, and you're gonna need someone to come along and serve you. That's why we gather. Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another. Sometimes as we journey this thing out together, there might be times where you're more than just irritated. Like somebody might outright offend you or hurt you or do something that's, maybe they might just do something that's downright sinful. But in those moments, we don't pull away. In those moments, we don't take our ball and go home. In those moments, we remember that our story, the neighborhood church, our story, we, we gather because we need to gather to minister to other believers, one another, and we need to find a way to be kind and compassionate even when people maybe aren't being as loving as they ought to be. And we're gonna find a way to forgive one another. Ephesians 5, 19, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We're gonna use our words to speak beautifully over one another. We're gonna declare scripture and declare blessing over one another. Romans 15, 14, instruct one another. There's times when in love and grace and truth, we need to step into someone's, as we're journeying with somebody in life, and we need to bring instruction, maybe even correction. And I don't know about you, but I'm not perfect yet, so there's likely some times where somebody needs to come along and lovingly, in grace and truth, say, you know what? I've actually got somebody in my life that I, I share everything with, and I allow them to bring instruction, correction into my life. First Thessalonians 5.11, encourage one another and build each other up. I don't know if you've ever been really disappointed or struggling. It, it seems so natural that when you're kind of hurt or wounded or, it, it seems easy to isolate yourself. But yet Jesus says we're to gather. And there's gonna be times where maybe things aren't going great for you. But the Spirit of God is gonna speak to one of us, a brother or sister, to come alongside and encourage you and, and build you up. And there's gonna be another time where the Spirit of God speaks to you and you're gonna be the one who's gonna walk into somebody else's life and, and encourage them and, and build them up. And we have to gather. We have to minister to one another. It's who we are. And then John 3, 34 to 35, Jesus says, a new, I give you a new commandment, love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples. If you, if you love one another, We're actually supposed to love one another so, so intense, so, so amazingly that the outside world is gonna look at us and say, I don't get those Christians, but I know they're a Christian because they, man, they just, they just love one another in a way that I, I can't even get my head wrapped around. Christianity. 
this personal belief and submission to Jesus as Lord that absolutely must be lived out in community. It's gotta be. There's too many one another's for us to do this alone. We gather, we assemble, because something happens when we're together that simply does not or, or cannot when we're alone. So we gather, we gather to minister to God, we, we gather to minister to other believers, to one another, and we actually gather to minister to the world. The third thought. We gather to minister to the world, to the people that Jesus died for who are not yet his disciples or his followers. William Temple, 100 plus years ago, said the church is the only group that exists primarily for those who are not yet a part of it. Jesus gave us our marching orders in the Great Commission, the purpose why we gather entirely, and he said in Matthew 28, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, therefore go. Go to those who do not know me yet and make disciples of all nations, baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. You see, we assemble, we assemble, and then we, we go. Uh, my family, our family's a football family. Every one of our uh, four kids played football. Uh, our daughter, Emery, still plays football. Uh, their team, the Saskatoon Valkyrie, won the uh, Western Women's Football League Championship early this year. They beat Calgary 40 to nothing. Apparently that's the only Saskatchewan team that can presently beat Calgary. <laughs> <laughs> We're a football, is there anybody, any other football fans? Okay, I, I need some response, okay? How often do the, how often do they huddle? Essentially every play. Okay, what's the purpose of the huddle? Figure out the play, what do you, Discuss strategy, play, figure what you're gonna do, right? You're, you're, gonna, you're gonna run block, you're gonna get the ball, right? Okay. What happens if you stay in the huddle too long? Flag, it's throwing, delay of game penalty, right? Have you ever seen a team get out on the field and huddle and just never break the huddle? All right, guys, we're here, we made it, we're on the team. You know what, we're just gonna wait the clock out. We're not moving for 60 minutes or four quarters. No? You see, the huddle is hugely important. It's hugely important. You basically huddle before every play. You figure out what you're gonna do, you figure out what the strategy is, you figure out who's gonna run what. But then you have to break the huddle because you don't put points on the board, you don't win games in the, in the huddle. In Matthew 16, Jesus said, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, my ecclesia, my, my gathering or assembly, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. That means we're actually gonna prevail against the gates of hell. That means we're gonna be so aggressive that we're literally gonna be out there rescuing people from hell. We're gonna be out there helping people find and follow 
Jesus. We're going to be the church that is stepping out into the world, ministering to the world, and rescuing people. Each and every one of us are called to minister to the world, to our neighbors, our friends, our family, our coworkers who don't know Jesus. As you read through the scriptures, there's a number of different metaphors for the church. Uh, Paul calls us the body of Christ, each of us having our part. Paul and Peter both refer to like a building or a spiritual house. But in Ephesians, Paul uh, talks to us what I think is the most interesting metaphor, and he calls us the bride of Christ. Ephesians 5, 25 to 32. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After, after all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. In three months, me and Jen are going to be married 25 years. January 2nd. 25 years of being married to the same woman. My partner, my lover, my friend, we've been doing life together as one for 25 years. Parenting, working, ministering, celebrating, mourning. It would be crazy for you to ever think you could come up to me and say, you know, Pastor Louie, Oh, I just appreciate you so much, and I just, I'm just so thankful what you had to say. I just, you know, I'd really like to, to be more connected. I'd, I'd like to maybe have you speak into my life, and maybe you could, could you mentor me, and, and I'd really like it if, you'd, if, you'd spend some, if we could spend some time together. And I, I'd, oh, I, just, I would just so appreciate it if you'd take some time to really pour into my life. Could, could we spend some time together? But, but can we make sure your wife's not around? She's a real bag. I just, I just don't want to have anything to do with her. Now, some of us don't know each other that well. But if you ever that, let's say, non-smart, you maybe should be wearing a helmet because I, I can't be responsible for what's going to happen afterwards. That's ridiculous, right? And uh, just uh, for clarification, uh, my wife is amazing. Uh, Jenny's amazing, and you will be blessed as you get to know her more and more. She's brilliant, wise, godly. She knows the scriptures like no one else I know. She's a blessing. But imagine if you were ever to say that to me about my bride. You can't love me and want to be around me and not even like my bride. I was talking with a friend a few months back and we were talking about parenting. And you can, you can get my kids to verify this later on in life. When our kids were younger, we were still kind of training them up. Uh, you maybe uh, never had this in your household, but every once in a while, my kids, when they were little, they would sometimes be a little bit rude or disrespectful. Just a couple times. And it was one thing to be rude or disrespectful to me. It was a whole other thing when they were rude or disrespectful to their mother, my bride. That was the, like, I brought you into the world, I'll take you out moment. Right? Because often men are more protective of their wives, and, and women often will get more offended at someone who did or said something to their husband than the husband gets offended themselves. Because in a healthy relationship, we hold our spouse in high regard and with great honor. 
Nobody would ever say, you know, Louie, I want to hang out with you, but I want nothing to do with your wife. And sometimes people say, well, I love Jesus, but the church... Now, I don't think God ever zaps somebody for sinning, but when people start saying, like, you know, I love Jesus, but I'm not so, like, I don't really like the church, I do start to inch away a little bit. You know? Like, that's the bride of Christ. By this, everyone will know you're my disciples if you love one another. The church is the bride of Christ. And in a healthy relationship, you hold your spouse in high regard and with great honor. And Jesus holds his bride in high regard and with great honor. If I can get the band to start coming back up. So neighborhood church, ecclesia, we, we gather, we assemble our story to minister to God, to minister to other believers, to minister to one another, and to minister to the world, to break the huddle and go into the world and help people find and follow Jesus. That's who we are as a church. And if you give Jenny and I the privilege of being your next lead pastors, that's who we're gonna continue to be. Standing on a great and godly foundation, honoring 22 years of incredible pastoral care and spiritual leadership from Pastor John and Donna, all the while moving into the next season that God has for us here. And as seasons shift, and as Pastor John has said a number of times over the last couple weeks, he believes the best days are still yet ahead. I want us to look back at those three photos we took tonight. And I want us to remember that I am, you are, we are the, we're the church. And we're gonna gather. And when we gather, we're gonna magnify the Lord. And I'm gonna try to help you to magnify the Lord in your life and you're going to help magnify the Lord in my life. And sometimes when we're journeying this thing out together, something might happen that irritates us, or something goes on and maybe we rub one another the wrong way, we're going we're gonna to forgive one another. We're going to submit to the command of Scripture and we're going to live in harmony with one another, and we're gonna encourage one another. I think we're gonna have a great time doing so. And we're gonna love one another in such an incredible way that the watching world looks at us and it blows their mind, they can't understand it. But we are truly gonna be the people who care for one another in a way that isn't even describable. And we are gonna be a church that continues to focus on the main thing of helping people find and follow Jesus. I'm so, so thankful that somebody helped me find and follow Jesus. Let's bow together in a word of prayer. Precious Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for this opportunity. And Lord, I thank you that we, the people of God, the ecclesia, the gathering, 
Lord, that we would just continue to be a people who come together and minister to you, who come together and, and minister to one another, building each other up, bringing hope and healing, serving and blessing one another, loving one another in such incredible ways that a watching world just wants to have, wants to be a part of this incredible body. And Lord, we're going to minister to the world, the people that you've placed each of us with an arm's reach of. We're going to love them. We're going to journey with them. We're going to share Jesus. And if someone rejects us, we're not going to get discouraged. We're going to remember we're going to be a part of their faith story, possibly. And we're going to keep ministering to this lost and broken world, helping people find an eternal destination change, helping people find and follow Jesus. And God's people said, Amen.